Hello, Marvelites! Welcome to a very Thanksgiving edition of This Week in Marvel. I'm oh. Ryan Pnagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com editor Ben Morris. Thankful to be here. Thankful for all of you. Thankful for my co-host. And just thankful. Yeah. What a year we've had. Wow. Here on This Week in Marvel. How about it? This year in Marvel. I guess that's coming up oh, soon man. enough. Yeah. But yeah, special Thanksgiving episode, and we have got a veritable Thanksgiving feast. Number not aside from the muffin that Ryan is eating as he sits <laughs> across from me, we've got a ton of books that came out this week. Uh, of course, we'll be covering those as well as all the latest news. We'll be doing Marvel uh, Unlimited Reading Club. We've got Avengers Under Siege on tap. But uh, just getting to the which we're going to dive into right now, the, the books that came out this week. You know, we've had some big week since we started this podcast this may be one of the biggest it's ridiculous just in terms of not only the sheer amount of stuff mm-hmm. that came out and i know the holidays kind of play havoc with people's schedules um but the some big big books yeah i mean Infin- quality too quality too infinity number six came out this week which we'll get to which of course is a big anchor book um sometimes you kind of try to clear the decks around mm-hmm. those and that was not the case this week at all. Some big, impactful stuff happened this week. Yeah, a lot of stuff you're going to have to read. It's real good. So let's get right into it. Right into it. we got All New X-Men, number 19, by Brian Michael Bendis and Brandon Peterson. And uh, this is like, um, this is the, the, the young squad on a, a, a mission, a new mission, as the Purifiers show up. They're chasing uh, a girl who says she's not a mutant, but the Purifiers are like, you're totes a mutant, and yeah. we hate you because you're a mutant, because we're super racist. And uh, is it racist, or is it religiousist, or is it speciesist, or... They're a race of yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. Might be speciesist, but I think it's, I, I think race is safe to say. Whatever. They're, they're religious zealots who are super racist. Uh, always the fun kind. Yep. And uh, they're going after... kind of zealot. Yeah. They're going after this young girl, yeah. and the all-new X-Men team, with Kitty, their professor, and Magic, uh, they go to try and help this girl, and it's... The, the young kid's first experience with this kind of persecution, hatred, and zealotry, uh, which it was a, it's a cool angle, uh, especially as Jean Grey experiences just that hate that these, these people have for them, just blind hate, and it's, it's kind of scary and it's really sad. And if you read the new X-Men run by uh, Kyle and Yost years ago, mm-hmm. there's a good you know like splash page that calls back to that stuff. Um, it's really good. And then a big revelation uh, about a character here uh, returning or actually showing up in this book, right. which isn't so much a revelation because we we yeah, know, no, but we I, there's, know. there's some secrecy in here. Um, yeah. It was a really fun issue. Yeah. Avengers Arena, number 18. The last issue of Avengers Arena. Oh, Canceled. my God. Canceled. <laughs> X'd out. Uh, written by Dennis Hopeless. Uh, art by Kev Walker. Dennis Hopeless, of course, stuck with this book all the way through. Kev Walker was a stalwart as well. Now, when this book was announced, there was a huge controversy, and it's remained controversial book throughout. Uh, it's all the teen heroes in the Marvel Universe fighting to the death. There are a lot of emotional killing moments in this. It was very brutal. Um, Dennis actually gets into it a lot in the letters page section where he talks about his feelings about taking the book, um, really opens up, says some stuff he really couldn't say until the series was over. So that in itself is interesting. As far as the story, the plot just gets accelerated up to about 20. Uh, Arcade, who's been running the whole show, has now been caught by some of our characters, and he is out. But another character has taken control of his layer of everything that's going on on murder world and basically decides all right this is it this is the final day that they're supposed to be there 
let's just let's just crank this thing up to 11. You've got characters fighting for their lives, deciding whether or not they're going to kill people, deciding whether who they're, they're going to save. There's, a, I think, a death here. It's it's kind of ambiguous. I don't think so. I'll... One, sh- two people go into some, a death situation. One shows up later. The other does not. The other does. It's a very small show me panel. I kept looking and I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't see. There's uh, uh, right there. But you don't know if they're alive he, or look, not. Look, he's got his. He's like waving, like, "Hey guys, look at him." It could just he's be okay. It could just be we found them. We found the body. I'm just saying. I it's definitely a possibility. Hold out hope. hope. But there's some some ambiguity, and it's just, just fight, fight, fight. All these you know teenage emotions come to the forefront. One of the new characters ends up doing something that really kind of brings their story full circle. Um, and transforms them into something I think they hoped they didn't become. And that's kind of the theme of this book, is that these kids have become the last thing they wanted to. And this is going to lead directly into Avengers Undercover, which is coming out in March. Uh, there's a last page that just makes you makes you excited for that next book. Arcade's such a dick. Arcade is one of the biggest dicks. When we do our uh, top villains list, I can't imagine he's not going to be high up there for uh for 2013 yeah he was he was terrible he was like we kept saying how bad jack-o'-lantern was last year in venom because he was just so personal and nasty like arcade to me is the jack-o'-lantern of this year the kind of b-list villain who got elevated elevated not even so much because of what he did but just how he did it and what a jerk he was about it point yeah uh, on to Avengers Assemble, number 21, by Kelly Sue DeConnick. I love this issue. And Matteo Bafagni. Me it. too. Oh my god. This is So this is an Inhumanity tie-in, mm-hmm. which is just a broad, um, overarching thing that says, oh, there's an, this whole inhuman um, bomb went off, and there are people who are coming out of these cocoons with powers. That's, that's it. It's not like you need to know more than that, really. It's... It's a very basic thing, and you get that caught up in here. Uh, but this really centers around Team Lady Spiders, yeah. or Team Spider Lady, yeah. uh, as Spider Girl puts it. Uh, she teams up with Black Widow and Spider Woman, and I want to read a book with the three of them. Really, I would just like a book of Spider Girl That's what I was by say. Kelly, Kelly Sudeconic. It's She'd be hilarious. It'd be super fun. Yeah, her dialogue is great. So good. It's terrific. Uh, she's in Avengers Tower trying to get their attention because uh, there's some inhuman stuff going on. And there, all the adults are like, rah, 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 you're a kid. We have yeah. adult stuff to do. Uh, and it's just hilarious. There's some big stuff going down. And in this issue, you get uh, other, you get villain characters brought in from a couple of different stories. One is, the, I believe it's the Cap and Black yeah. Widow story. It was the cap, cap all the Falcon. all the cap and everything. That whole cap and Hawkeye, cap and Iron. Right, that right. whole run. This was the the recurring villain throughout. Yeah, who wrote that? That was Cullen stuff. It's Cullen Bunn. Yeah. So bringing in with well, it, there's you bring in her, mm-hmm. who is a big time villain in that. Then you also bring in one of the characters from the Osborne limited series yep. that Kelly Sue wrote, uh, and she's just she's so. Who was also in Dark Avengers. Yep. Uh, so it's really cool bringing a lot of continuity and some fun stuff. Uh, I love the dialogue in this whole sequence when the uh, the Team Lady Spider is, is in AIM. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of fun stuff there. Um, really twisted, dark, and funny at the same time. It's a great yeah. issue. 
Uh, oh, and the art was fantastic. Oh, it really? Yeah, like yeah. sold everything. Beautiful stuff. Um, Cataclysm, Ultimate Comics X Men number one is the big tie-in for the uh, the mutants of the Ultimate Universe as they deal with Galactus, um, and it really starts off with the fallout of what had happened in Ultimate Comics X Men, which was the you know the fall of Tion and World War X and all that stuff, and um, you know Kitty Pride and Jean Grey and all the bad stuff that went down. Uh, as the mutants are trying to pick up the pieces and deal with you know, what happened, but then, boom, Galactus shows up, and everything goes to an even deeper hell, uh, and then you get uh, Rick Jones showing up, and there's mm. really great mm. bit of dialogue from Iceman, who knew Rick Jones, you know, way back, way back when. Way back when, yeah, before he was anything. Captain okay, Marvel. got Deadpool Annual number one. This is a very interesting comic. I personally uh, got a big kick out of it. I read it yesterday. Uh, it's written by Ben Acker and Ben Blacker, who are comedy writers. They work a lot in TV and other stuff. Uh, the artist is Doc Shaner, who's great. Um, it is, it's nice because it works on two levels. It works as a very insidery. if you've been reading Deadpool, not just the current run, but literally for the last, like, ten years, it's a great treat for those people. But they do a good job of making it a standalone story as well. It is the story of... You may have noticed that since Deadpool relaunched in Marvel now, he does not have that second dialogue box anymore, the, the second voice in his head. Uh, this is not only the story of why he no longer has the voice in his head, it is also, it flashes back to before his Daniel Way book, as it notes in the, uh, the recap page, tells the origin of how he got that second voice in the first place. Um, and the second voice is actually something. It's not just him being crazy. Um, or so we believe. Basically, Deadpool is out, as it says, some five or six issues before Secret Invasion, because he never had the second voice, you know, in Cable and Deadpool or any of that. Um, he is trying to assassinate Matt Murdock. Um, there's a great recurring gag where he tries to do it multiple times, and every time there is a pile of hand ninjas that he had to beat up, because he says, if you, anytime you trail Matt Murdock, there's just like hand ninjas following him around all the time, you have to kill all of them. Runs into Madcap, who's an old Captain America character from the 80s who's bizarre. And was, it, was it Madcap in that Wolverine series from yes, two years ago? Madcap was in Wolverine Best There Is. Best There Is. Yes. Yeah, so I love that one. Remember him from that. He's indestructible. He has a healing factor like Deadpool. Uh, and he also has the ability to make people crazy. So him and Deadpool fight just because why not? They both t just pull knives and stuff out of the hand ninjas and stab each other with them and then instantly heal. Um, Daredevil comes along, <laughs> notes repeatedly, oh, crap, healing factor, guys. I don't have time for this. Like, he doesn't <laughs> want to fight healing factor, guys. Uh, Thor just swings by to help Daredevil out, and that's where the major conversation. I don't want to spoil the origin of the caption box but that's where it, it comes about from this four-way fight between madcap deadpool daredevil and thor thor is hilarious in this issue everything's hilarious it basically then walks through the entire daniel way series and explains like what was going on in terms of the caption box and what it was thinking gets a little inside deadpool's head which is kind of crazy then it flashes back to just before marvel now where he's once again trying to assassinate uh, Daredevil, or Matt Murdock, who he now knows is Daredevil. Um, and then Luke Cage shows up, and uh, Thor shows up again. There is some of the funniest, most out-there panels ever. Uh, 
This is I don't, I don't, I got these jokes because my wife watches uh, So You Think You Can Dance, but there's literally a four-page just So You Think You Can Dance reference joke. And then uh, everything gets resolved and we find out why the captions went away. I, this was this was a book that required me to do that full like synopsis <laughs> and you can read it now and once you find out the story behind everything I was just saying, you will enjoy it from there. The art's great, the writing is funny as hell, and there's some deep moments with, you know, Deadpool reflecting on what's it like to have someone else another voice living in his head, but really it's just hilarious. Mm. It's a hysterical book. Yeah. It's very weird. The um and I don't think it follows what we've done in the comics, but the voices that are used for the Deadpool video game, mm-hmm. the way they use the voices in there, super funny. Yeah. It's terrific. That that game is a hoot. This yeah. This is a this is a very interesting issue. I, I really dug it. I think uh, I think people will enjoy it. FF number fourteen, written by Matt Fraction and Lee Allred, art by Michael Allred and Laura Allred, so that's three Allreds in one book. It is the eve of the FF's big clash with Doctor Doom. Uh, Scott Lang is trying to get everyone motivated. He's trying to get himself motivated. They're still hanging out in the blue area of the moon with the Watcher. We see all the kids do their things to unwind. We see the female members of the group do their things to unwind. We keep flashing over to Doom, who is just wonderfully over-the-top villainous in this issue. Uh, He's got Ravana captive. He's got poor Alex Powers' parents still... Captive and just terrible. Uh, he's scheming with Kid Immortus as well as Annihilus. This dovetails with some of the stuff going on in Fantastic Four, but mostly the focus is on the FF preparing for battle. Uh, Sun Tzu shows up. Of course. Always great to have a Sun Tzu appearance. There's an awesome page where uh, Scott Lang basically takes it to the Watcher. Um, <laughs> the Watcher, like, he even says, he goes, well, you're a good guy. I want to like you, but I can't. And then explains why. Um, alludes to some stuff that, I don't know if it's coming up or what's going on, but basically gets in his face about, like, there's no reason you should not be interfering in stuff. P.S. My daughter died, and you didn't do anything. Thanks. Um, but there's some fun stuff with uh, the, they're, they're in, like, the hot springs area of the, of the moon, and the uh, the ladies are taking a dip, and Bentley's trying to get people to... He builds a peephole and tries to charge people for it. And Medusa's son is like, yeah, I want to see my mom naked. Thanks. Um, it's just great stuff. And then the Doom stuff is really good, too. Scott Lang tells uh, Darla why... A story that was that was teased earlier about his time in jail. There's, there's a council of Dooms. Uh, there's Scott Lang coming up with a plan that involves pulling people from all across time. There's a lot. This is maybe the most packed issue of FF they've done so far. And, of course, getting Mike Allred to draw all of it yeah. just puts the icing on the cake. It's awesome. All right. Hawkeye number 14 is by Matt Fraction and Annie Wu. Annie Wu will be doing the uh, Kate Bishop-focused issues of the series for a while, uh, which is great. It's going to bounce back and forth between L.A. and New York as we see Kate um, with Lucky, Pizza Dog, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get by. She's totes poor. And she's trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life, how she's going to make some money. Uh, she decides, oh, I'll, just, I'll be a hero for hire or a private detective. And she helps out this couple who's about to get married, uh, which sends her spiraling into a web of intrigue and uh, deceit and thievery and goons and hilarity. Uh, there's this guy she keeps meeting at the 
grocery store yeah, who I, I love, but I don't know what his deal is at all. I have no idea. It's super strange. I love it. Uh, there's a lot of funny stuff in here. It's it's very quirky, very cool, very personal. Uh, it's a great issue of Hawkeye. Indestructible Hulk number sixteen by Mark Wade and Clay. M- and, nope, and Mahmoud Asrar. Nope. Yep. Someone got this wrong on the on the sheet. Yep. That would be Mandy. <laughs> Uh, but this is another Inhumanity book where, you know, um, we're in the midst of all the stuff that's going on across the world. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. goes to a, uh, an Aztec temple uh, to deal with the big pulse. And they say, Banner, we don't want you. Hulk, we don't want you. You're not allowed. Yeah. And Hulk's all angry. And he has his friend, this Jessup dude, yep. who's his friend, who gives him gum. And there's this whole story about Jessup. Really and I interesting. Am, I immediately love this Jessup dude. Yep. He's, like, dealt with all these problems, but he's trying to be positive. And, like, my part of my instinct's like, oh, this guy's evil. But then... No, he's just—he's not evil. He's, he's just a good guy. He's just a good dude. Made who some wants mistakes to help. in his past. Yeah. that he regrets. And that and he's happens. Trying to make up for him. Yeah. Uh, and then Hulk does his smashing. There's a lot of you know things that go on. And then there's a heartbreaking right? bit right at the end, which I was like, "Damn it, Mark Wade!" Yeah. I actually yelled that last night, and yeah. my wife was like, "What's wrong?" I was like, "Mark Wade is just so mean." Mark Wade trying to trying to go into Remender territory. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah. All right. Big issue. Infinity number six. Obviously, the capper to uh, the massive event that we have been doing for the last couple months. Uh, Infinity, I, I, I will, of course, plug back to the talk I had with Tom Brevoort earlier this week, which you can listen to. We put it out yesterday because this is coming out Wednesday. This came out Tuesday. Um, talked a lot about how Infinity just across the board seems to be really well received. Um, and the thing I like to describe it as, and I was talking with, a, with another friend of ours um, last week, is... It's like an instant perennial. Like, you know, this is going to be a good standalone story. It has a, it ties into other bigger things that are going on, but you can read this story and it's just a great big sci fi epic, yeah. great art. Um, some of the best art you'll see anywhere. This issue is written by Jonathan Hickman. The main Avengers sequence is drawn by Jim Chung, who has had time to really oh. kick out the jams and just kill it. Dustin Weaver's still pitching in, doing the Illuminati sequences. Uh, the Avengers are back from space. They defeated the Builders, but now they got to come back and take their planet back from Thanos. Just the big stuff that Jim Chung is drawing is awesome. No one draws just big, epic battles the way he does. His heroes look amazing. The moment of the Avengers touching down on Earth. Kind of the Avengers like Alpha Squad is Captain America, Captain Marvel, Thor, Hulk, and Hyperion. They're going to be the ones to go after Thanos, Corvus Glaive, and Proxima Midnight. Meanwhile, the Illuminati are trying to take back Wakanda, and they're trying to save Black Bolt from uh, Supergiant. And Ebony Maw is doing his own thing. He's got Thane captive, and we don't really know his deal, and he's been squirrely this whole time. Ebony Maw is like Wormtongue. If Wormtongue was like was more devious and impactful. Yeah. So we have, they send the Hulk in, the Hulk fights everybody, they send Thorin, they send Hyperion in, everyone goes in, everyone gets their moments. It's, it's, it's the modern equivalent of, you know, an Infinity Gauntlet or something like that, where it's just everyone taking their shots at Thanos, trying to do the best they can. The difference here is not only is Thanos super powerful, even though he doesn't have the Infinity Gems, he has allies. Um, this it reminded me of playing Avengers Alliance because I was like, <laughs> I can't beat Thanos. I definitely can't beat Thanos when he has Corvus Glaive and Ebony Maw with him. Uh, Hyperion gets a really cool moment yeah. uh, when he's fighting Corvus Glaive. Maximus plays an unexpected role. Um, 
it's seen more on the peak with uh, yeah because I love what Maximus does Lockjaw yeah so dope um, and then yeah we've got stuff on the peak going on Starbrand gets his moment it's it's a beautifully plotted thing Jonathan Hickman just brings all the pieces together everyone gets their moments to shine and then the way things ultimately get resolved um, is not what you'd expect yeah. Uh, there's a resolution to everything for now, um, but it is not from any of these. Like, Thor goes after Thanos, and he's kind of, as always, Thor is the last line, but there's another line behind him. And where that leads, and uh, where everything else happens, we'll see what happens from here. But uh, it's a fate for Thanos. We got an epilogue where there's stuff going on for the Inhumans, which is going to lead into Inhumanity. Uh, we kind of already see, and this is something Tom and I talked about, that it was so great to see all the alien cultures working together during this, but you see immediately in the epilogue, it's not going to last. Tom likened it to, you know, post-World War II. All the allies were like, this is great. We beat, you know, we beat the Axis, and now we're going to be friends forever. <laughs> and then everyone gets back to remember, you know, they want, they have their own yeah. interests. Everybody has an agenda, bro. But then it ends with uh, the Illuminati and the fact that this story, even though you can put a nice, you can put a nice bow on the story, and like I said, I think you can really consider it a perennial. This story is not over; there is more to come. But I loved Infinity, and this issue, you know, I, I like this issue as, as I liked all the other issues. I think the quality sustained all the way through. It was really nice to have Jim Chung back for art on this final go around. I think it made Thanos right back into the credible threat we remember from when we were kids. He's right back there. Um, and getting to know all the builder stuff was cool. I think the Avengers, Jonathan Hickman's Avengers, really got to step up, and a lot of them had big moments. And I was just, it's, it's, it's hard not to call Infinity a success. I'm, I'm, I'm gushing about it just because yeah. this is an event I really felt good about. I feel a lot of pride as someone, not only as someone who likes comics, but as someone who works here. I feel like these guys really knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it's going to be a really it. nice volume when yeah. you, you read it all in one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't know if we should go right into New Avengers since that's kind of the epilogue issue. Sure, we can yeah. we can go into that. Go out of order a little bit. Yeah, sorry, I'm pulling a switch them up on Ryan here. Switch them so. up. So this is uh, the New Avengers number twelve, which is the epilogue to Infinity by John Hickman with Mike Diodato, um, and it really it it picks up right where Infinity number six leaves off. Uh, you've got Black Panther in Wakanda. Um, he is. He's in a bad place hmm. uh, with his people, with his sister, with his nation, with his title. Um, and then you've got him dealing with Namor, who's just such a jerk, <laughs> who's just relishing all the jerkiness that he can, that he has. Uh, lots of cool stuff, things with Black Bolt, uh, Doctor Strange. Like, he, Doctor Strange is basically like, I need to step my game up. Yeah. I'm the freaking... Uh, what is he, the Sorcerer, Sorcerer Supreme. Supreme? I'm going to be Supreme, bro. Um, <laughs> there's all that going on. And then we see, you know, the Black Swan and the this, like, prison that they the New Avengers have under the catacombs in the, uh, the, the dead area of Wakanda. And Black Swan lays it down that basically what you guys just went through, I mean, that was nothing. Yeah. You guys, if you actually want to see some bad stuff... It's coming, and you, you maybe it'll be uh, the map makers, mm-hmm. uh, their uh, the masters, or the black priests. And what if it had been the Sinu Saram, the Ivory King? What would you have done? <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but that's terrifying. Yeah, this is where it's like we say, you know, Infinity was a nice, 
rap story you can read it from beginning to end this is the issue on the end where it's like okay back to the marvel universe the marvel universe is a constantly evolving story this does not stop yeah there's bad there's more bad stuff the last line of dialogue in the book is everything dies so there so, you go get ready <laughs> Um, okay, over to Infinity Heist, number three by Frank Thierry, and uh, art by Al Barry Nuevo and Pat Olif. Uh, Frank Thierry writing villains, doing jerky things, terrific. Uh, I like the way that Al Barry Nuevo draws White Tiger as a big old white tiger, like yeah. transformed there. It's terrific. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. I like, I want that. Uh, awesome unicorn moment in this. I mean, every time you see unicorn is pretty much an awesome moment because mm. he's so rad. Uh, but... You've got, I think, a quadruple cross going on. A lot here. of crosses. It's hard to so keep track. So many double, triple, quadruple crosses. Uh, big revelation of the person who uh, was sort of a mystery character through all this. Yeah. Um, and you know, our quote-unquote heroes, the villains of the book, are in a bad place here. They have to deal with uh, a bigger problem than they could have foreseen. Yeah. Over to Infinity the Hunt, number four. This is the wrap-up for the limited series by Matt Kent and uh, Steven Sanders with some extra art by Paco Diaz and Derek Donovan. Uh, the, the group of kids who are left, the ones who have survived, and I should note that there was a, a character who was introduced in this series who seemingly died the last issue is apparently not dead, which makes me happy because I want to know more about this character. I want to see yeah, 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 in a lot more that. books. Um, there's uh, this this cool Atlantean character um, who I think they call her Leviathan, but she has her like whale pet, song. Her pet, a oh, whale song. Yeah, Leviathan is, is her pet. Is the pet. Her right. name is Whale Song. Yeah, uh, super cool. This yep. giant um, floating tentacled whale is yep. like the best thing ever. <laughs> uh, so. The kids come together, they go to Wakanda to help battle uh, the, the forces of Thanos. Um, things get really crazy. Uh, there's some good, you know, heavy moments, some drama, some sadness, some action. Uh, and it, it's cool. It's, it sets up a good tone for the young heroes. It's like it, the, the Marvel Universe has this next generation that's getting really strong. So it's, it's pretty neat to see. Okay, over to Marvel Universe. Marvel Universe titles, of course, adapting our animated series. Joe Caramagna is all over that. And in Marvel Universe Ultimate Spider-Man number 20 is adapting Me Time, written by Man of Action and Jacob Seaman, uh, featuring Dr. Octopus. Fun issue there. All right, big issue for me, Nova number 100. Technically Nova number 10. But <laughs> just to explain, uh, as Steve Wacker does in the back, this is the 100th issue of a comic called... Nova. So that includes the 1970s book, the 1990s book, which is where I started reading, the second 1990s book, the Annihilation limited series, and then also um, the last volume of Nova, plus this one. All of that adds up to 100 issues of Nova. We celebrate it with two full stories, the first by Zeb Wells and Carlo Barberi. Um, man, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, it's, it's Sam Alexander trying to convince his mom why he should be allowed to join the Avengers, and it opens with a great imaginary sequence. Punisher's line here. It's one of my favorite Punisher yeah, lines in ages. Uh, Sam is such a fun character. Meanwhile, you got Justice and Speedball. Um, more Speedball. Justice just kind of sits there. I don't think Justice <laughs> wants to be there at all. But Speedball saying, like, hey, man, we want you to join the New Warriors. And... Um, 
Sam wants nothing to do with the new Warriors. Like, I want to be an Avenger. Like, Thor invited me to be an Avenger. Let me go be an Avenger. Uh, he talks to the girl, his, his crush, Carrie, who knows he's Nova. He doesn't want to tell her he's Nova. He almost tells her he's Nova. He screws it up because he's a typical teenage character. So he's pissed off. He goes to talk with his buddy, the Watcher. <laughs> I love his, his stuff yeah. with the Watcher. Just, it's his best friend. His best friend is the Watcher. And he says, like, you know, why, why would I have to hang out with the, the freaking new warriors? Why shouldn't I be the Avengers? Blah, blah, blah. And this is, of course, the part I loved where the Watcher basically gives him a holographic display of Rich Rider's greatest hits. It takes you through all these great Rich Rider moments when he was with the New Warriors, when he's fighting the Nihilists, when he's fighting the Phalanx during Annihilation Conquest. Rich Rider comes off like the badass that he totally was. It's a really nice remembrance of him. Sam, his reactions are great, where he's kind of like, yeah, I know, The Last Noble was awesome. Thank you. I'm already telling this. He calls him Rick, which is great. And then it goes to... Infinity Gauntlet, where Nova was one of many people with the Avengers and all these big heroes. And the point is the Watcher is trying to teach Sam a lesson. I want you guys to read the book to get what the lesson is. Um, but the lesson brings him back, has a nice moment with his mom, has kind of a nice moment with Speedball, I oh, guess, yeah. and sets him off to something I'm very excited about, which is the new New Warriors series that Chris Yost is going to be writing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a valuable lesson learned. It was a really nice tribute. It's a nice tribute to Rich Rider, who you know carried the 90 of these 100 Nova issues, so it was good to see him get some, uh, some play in here. Yeah. And then um, just a cool... This is why Sam is cool. This is why he's cool now. And a nice little last bit with the Watcher. Then we've also got a second story. After we had this great cover gallery, which, again, okay. to me, was, like, phenomenal. Can, let's, can, let's, we, let's can we talk get real about for it. a second? Yeah, let's talk about it. What is up with Nova's helmet in this 90s series? Look well, at it was just, like, big, super pointy. It's, like, it's super tall. Yeah. His head was not that tall. That was, uh... Like that, whoop, whoop, the whoop. Art, The artist on all these covers is Chris Marinan, uh-huh. who I don't know what he did other than the Nova 90s series, but I was at WonderCon, uh, was it like 2006, 2007, when we were still working at Wizard, uh-huh. and I was the only one out there. I'd gone out to cover something, um, and I had some free time, so I'm walking around, walking around Artist Alley, and I'm seeing a bunch of people who I see at most cons, and out of nowhere, I see Chris freaking Marinan, no line at his table, um, and I'm just like... Oh my god! I freaked out because I'm like, dude, you drew Nova when I was a kid. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I, I can't believe I'm meeting you. Like this, and, I, and you know, I think it, I think it made his day to some degree. But then, you know, my Nova sketchbook where I have like, you know, a bunch of guys. I have Jim Lee and some other people in there. I had him do my Nova sketchbook, and it's still one of my favorite sketches because even though he might not be the biggest name, that's the Nova I knew. Sure. But yeah, he always drew him with this crazy tall head yeah. and this super pointy thing. He also had his long hair. Which I loved at the time, and now I'm yeah, like, you did. yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it's cool looking at all these all these old Nova covers. Um, the '70s run was freaking crazy. Just the villains he had. Just I know the whole idea at the time was they were trying to create like kind of a new Spider-Man, um, and so they're giving all these quirky villains. But just the fact that the third guy he fought was named Diamond Head, and he's literally a guy with a diamond for a head. All these other great villains. You have the Condor. Uh, he had Mega Man, not the not this, the this predates, yes, predates the video game video game Mega Man, and then his big villain was the Sphinx. Ugh, it was it was phenomenal. But then yeah, you got all these covers going up. You got the Eric Larson series, 
it still amazes me to this day. I mean, I love the Abnet Landing Nova run. And looking back on the covers, it reminded me, I was like, oh, man. Like, 80 Granov and Alex Maliev did covers for this book for, like, quite some time. Yeah. Juan Doe did some good covers. Daniel Acuna did some good covers. It's really nice. And that brings us all the way up to the present day. And then we get a second story <laughs> by incoming creative team Jerry Duggan and Paco Medina, where we've got Sam's principal coming to talk to his mom um, about how he's been absent from school constantly, while Sam is out in space fighting like these space whales or something. Um, and it's a good introduction to Jerry's take on the character. It's got a little bit of a different voice um, and is a big setup for what's coming up in his run. Dun, dun, a major dun. thing happens in the end. And finally, we have this two-page uh, Jerry Duggan. Uh, I don't know who drew this. Why Stewart? I don't know who that is. I don't know. have to find out. But it's a two-page uh, sneak peek at Nova number 1000. It's so great. And it's hilarious. There's a little girl who says, I'm trapped in the candy verse. Yeah. I love, love, love that. All of it's great. Oh, my God. Um, and I then, love Jerry because I just think he's going to do such great work. Jerry's going to be fantastic here. Ugh, yeah. And you got a nice letters page from, you know, Steve Wacker breaks down how they got to 100 issues. Just, you know, for a Nova fan like me, this was perfect. Yeah. Could I, not have asked for more. I loved it, too. And I'm yeah. not... Half the Nova fan you are. It's not great. a quarter of the Nova not fan a, I am. Not a quarter. How dare you? <laughs> All right. Uh, R2 Savage Wolverine, number 12, uh, written and drawn by Phil Jimenez mm. with co writer Scott Lope. Um, I'll, I'm going to be really honest right now. This was a tough one to get through because mm. it's uh, oh, Phil yeah. is such a great storyteller and his um, artwork matter. is so realistic. Yeah. But this is about poaching and it's about um, some really heinous acts of like the darkest. Some of the darkest things that humanity can get to, yeah, and it was very difficult for me um, to 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 really get through this because understandable. Like, uh, I think it was hard to get through, yeah, for anyone. For anyone, but like I have a very soft spot for animals, and yeah. this was like you know one page you have an elephant caressing Wolverine and like he's talking to him and all this stuff, and then another it just gets uh, I don't yeah it's, it's ugly. It gets really, and it's pretty too because Phil is so. Good. Yeah, this is this is Phil at like the height of his powers. Yeah, this it really is, some is. Of the best art he's done in ages. Yeah, it's it's terrific. Um, there's some cool stuff with Wolverine at the school, and then Wolverine uh, going to Madripoor. Always love Wolverine and Madripoor, mm-hmm. and man, he is gonna be angry at yeah. the end of this. Uh, it's yeah, it's, it's nasty. A, it's an interesting story behind this. Um, I spoke to Phil about it on Marvel.com, but also just offline talking about it that. The whole story came about, they do a little flashback at the beginning to a page from like an early Claremont Cochrane issue of X-Men where um, it's literally two pages and it's it's the issue where uh, Guardian debuts uh-huh. uh, when he was Weapon Alpha. Yeah. And Wolverine says he's going to go out hunting and Storm gets pissed at him saying like hunting is terrible and he says, explains, no, when I hunt I don't kill, I go out to like, you know get as close as I can to the animals and then, like, you know, let them run off. Yeah. And they reference that here. And Phil said that's the entire basis for the story was he wanted to do a story about that side of Wolverine, the side of Wolverine. Great. Yeah, that just loves animals. And Scott Lope, who uh, covered with him, is not a comics guy. He's a friend of Phil's who's basically just, like, a like an environmentalist. So he helped do the whole thing. So this is a very... Oh, pers- that's cool. So yeah. it adds, yeah, like, a, a, a huge level of reality yeah, to it all. this is, like, a very personal project for Phil. It's something he felt strongly about. Yeah, so. no, I mean... It's- yeah, and like you said, it gets a very guttural reaction. Yeah. So, over in Scarlet Spider, number 24, coming up to the end of this great book, written by Chris Yost, with assistance by Eric Burnham, art by David Baldion, 
We've got Kane once again feeling terrible about himself, which is kind of his default emotion. Um, and once Cry again, me a river, Kane. Yeah, you know, get over it, man. <laughs> you have an awesome costume. Get over it. Tries yeah. to burn his costume, by the way. <laughs> it's a Scarlet Spider no more, but the costume's made of unstable molecules, so it won't burn. I love it. He tries to recreate the Spider-Man no more. So, so yeah, this dark, mopey Kane, but you also got some nice comedy. Uh this is coming off when the Cravens kidnapped all of Kane's friends and tortured them and, you know, badly injured one of them. Uh, they're starting to learn the truth about Kane, but at the same time, a lot of enemies and just weird characters are starting to circle Kane and his life. Kane's tendency to jump into bed with everyone starts to come back to haunt him, <laughs> and uh, multiple women who he has wronged in some way or another uh, converge here at the end, along with one of his best friends who now wants to kill him. So... Just another day at the Kane household <laughs> up in the uh, room. We had the final issue of Superior Carnage, uh, written by Kevin Shinnick, art by Steven Segovia and Dan Mexia. We have the final showdown with the Wizard, who now has the Carnage symbiote fighting Superior Spider-Man. Then we've also got Claw, who narrates the whole issue kind of beautifully. This has been a very, you know, Kevin Shinnick is known primarily for comedy and uh, this book has been gross, but also a little funny. Uh, Claw gets pretty deep. He, re- he really gets into Claw here. Um, and it's a struggle for who controls the symbiote. By the end, there is a new owner of the symbiote. Uh, a lot of jumping around. A lot of good Spider-Man stuff, too, and significant Spider-Man stuff. Uh, the wizard gets a new status quo. Claw gets a new status quo. A lot of things change by the end of Superior Carnage number 5. Cool. Superior Spider-Man number 22, written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage. Uh, art by the ultimate Umberto Ramos. Mm. Uh, we've got, we start off with Venom showing up because he's, uh, he's well, his ex-fiance girlfriend. I think they're engaged. Yeah, well, girlfriend uh, is, is a reporter, and she tracked down Crime Master. He, uh, Venom's like, I'm going to take it from here. You get out of here and save my mom and be safe <laughs> because I still love you. Oh, my God. And uh, so he goes and he tries to take down this Crime Master. While that's going on, you've got some really great stuff as uh, we see Parker Industries start to come together. Peter Parker is... You know, he's got his doctorate. He started his company. He's, you know, really getting stuff together because he's got the motivation of Otto Octavius now. He's got his, you know, getting his stuff togetherness. Mm-hmm. Uh, on his staff is Cardiac. I mean, yeah. not not in his <laughs> cardiac gear, but I was super excited for that. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Wortham, I believe. Elias. Elias, Elias Wortham. Wortham. Yep. Wow. Uh, who's super terrific. I don't know if I'm proud or embarrassed that I know that offhand. <laughs> uh, there's some great stuff with uh, May and Jay. Um, you know, some deeper mysteries for some of the B-plots that have been going along, and you'll see those come to fruition real soon. Uh, some some boots knocking going on. Uh, <laughs> some coitus interruptus. Wow. Uh, and uh, basically, Spider-Man's henchmen... Or tell Spidey, hey, we found uh, a problem going on over here, and Spidey goes with a whole group of his, you know, his his crew mm-hmm. to you think help Venom take down Crime Master. And one, it's not well. You'll find nah, out. Yeah, uh, read it. and and two, uh, it doesn't go quite as Venom would have hoped, and it's it sucks because uh, Flash is like. I'm Spider-Man's biggest fan. Why would yeah. I? I Surely to, he'll listen to me. Yeah, I need to talk to him. And then, uh-oh, bad stuff. All right, 
Uncanny Avengers number fourteen. Uh, this is what this is kind of what I was talking about. Where I was like, I can't this this issue being out the same ish week as Infinity number six and some of these other things. This is huge. I've called them Uncanny Avengers the book that doesn't need to tie into events because it is an event every issue. Um, starts off with this weird prologue page. You're not sure who's saying it. They're speaking from some point in the future, and then we kick to a crazy interlude with Kang. And this is how I'm going to entice people just by saying this is a three-page sequence that involves Kang, Strife, uh, Earth-X Venom, Doom 2099, Iron Man 2020, uh, Ahab from Days of Future Present, Future Psylocke from Rick's run on Uncanny X-Force, where they went to the future, and then um, also from Rick's run on Uncanny X-Force, he travels to the future where the Deathlocks took over all the heroes. These are three pages that do not play into the rest of the story at all. It's just Kang interacting with these characters, and you just need to know that this is going to come back to something. No, what we got going on is a bunch of stuff. Number one, this is illustrated by Stephen Hitman. With John Dell. With John Dell. And it's gorgeous. Um, it, it reads like, you know, it, that's another reason I say it feels like an event comic, because it's so huge. All right, so on one hand, you got Scarlet Witch and Wonder Man trying to put into effect their secret plan to take down the Apocalypse Twins, which is going to be them using uh, Wanda's power to seemingly transport all the mutants off of Earth and do this whole kind of rapture thing. But in reality, they're planning to bring reinforcements in. Unfortunately, you've also got Sunfire and Rogue charging at them, and Rogue is just like, in Rogue's mind, Scarlet Witch is the worst. She's destroyed our race multiple times. She's got to be stopped. Um, and the fly in the ointment is Wolverine is still around, and Wolverine wants this all to be resolved without violence. Because seeing Dokken back, being kind of haunted by all his sins, he's like, all right, you know what? All my problems came because I, I solved things by killing. Um, Grim Reaper and Dokken serving as the horsemen, getting into a fight with Rogue and Sunfire. It's brutal. Uh, if you remember when Steve did Old Man Logan, it's a little bit of that vibe. There's just a lot of blood. There's a lot of nastiness. And then the synopsis kind of stops here because there are three giant moments that get big pages that are just every one of them is going to get uh, people talking. Let's just say that. Um, and then by yeah, I guess I guess you could say yeah. That. And by the end, it's just like I don't know. You, there's no way to know where the story goes from here. And then and then Remender ends it with like a quote from I don't know where, like poetry or the Bible or something. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's a huge issue. Uh, big stuff happens, and it's emotional and it's beautifully drawn. It involves just these characters, and it's leading somewhere even more insane. It's a, it's 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 a book you need to read. Goodness gracious! Yeah. All right. On to Uncanny X Force number fourteen by Sam Humphreys and Phil Brionis. Phil Brionis does great job on this yeah, book. Yeah, really good job. Um, super cool art. You get to see a lot uh, more of what the Revenants are, where they come from, what they're all about. As Cassandra Nova, you know, her plans come together. She's you know making the moon blood red, and she's mm-hmm. doing all the things that she would do. Yeah. She's a nasty woman. Cassandra Nova um, stuff. Uh, there's a, some interesting stuff here with Psylocke. Mm. Uh, you know, some choices she may have to make. Uh, great moments with Puck. Puck is like, 
the the breakout of this book. I think sure. he's so funny. He's so great. Uh, with you know Spiral as well. She's super terrific. It, those are two characters who you don't see enough of, and they do. Sam gives them plenty of room to breathe and explode across the pages. It's great. Um, some really messed up magic type stuff going on, and then um, uh, bad news for our heroes by the end of the book. Mm. I right, gotta do a little flip flop and fly here. Reverse the order to uh, explain the sequence. First up, I got Wolverine X Men Annual Number One, written by Jason Aaron and fully drawn by Nick Bradshaw, which is awesome. How amazing is that? Yeah. Like the, that's our regular creative team on an annual. Yeah, no I kidding. Love that. And this is this is oversized, you know, Nick Bradshaw art. It's a spotlight story on Kid Gladiator, who we haven't seen for a while. He was sent back to the Shi'ar Imperium. Uh, he is now in basically Imperial Guard School trained to be a super guardian it's all he's ever wanted and he hates it uh there's not enough punching he though he won't admit it clearly misses the gene gray school uh, all the shiar talk crap about earth and he just wants to see some action um so it just so happens by the way this is an infinity tie-in infinity goes down and he's like great all right all the cadets are getting called in i'm gonna go fight the builders and it's gonna be awesome except his dad gladiator who's running the whole show says i don't want you going you stay here you stay safe we're gonna go do this uh he sends a bunch of warbirds to stop kid gladiator and i don't think it's much of a surprise to say that doesn't work kid gladiator gets into the action comes part of the fight gets involved with the whole thing of infinity and the rest of the book is basically him in the war uh, fighting the Builders, fighting their forces, teaming up with the Avengers, and just a series of great father-son moments. These are some of my favorites. I just, I like this relationship between Gladiator and Kid Gladiator. Yeah. Gladiator just seems like the coolest guy. Um, he will like get pissed. He, he he never gets pissed off. He's like, I told you not to come here, but boy, am I impressed that you did. <laughs> like, I should have known. I'm so proud of you for beating up the people I said to keep you from coming here. When I was your age, I couldn't beat up half the people. Yeah, you exactly. Could. It's They have a great relationship. Yeah. Uh, Kid Gladiator gets to come into his own. Uh, <laughs> it's a nice fit with the Hulk. <laughs> and at the end of the book, it puts him back where he belongs at the Jean Grey School. How he gets there, you have to read the issue and find out, but it's a beautiful issue and it's a fun issue, and Jason Aaron clearly loves this character, as do I. Yeah. Um, so with that, we go into Wolverine and the X-Men number 38, which really does pick up after the events of that, after the events of Battle of the Atom, and um, really sets the, the, the tone for what's going on in the mutant verse right now. Uh, it's written by Jason Aaron with art by Pepe Larraz, and you, it, it's a great slice of the Jean Grey school drama, teen angst, all the stuff with the kids. Um, Shield comes, Shield being Maria Hill and uh, Dazzler, Agent of Shield, Agent come Dazzler. down, and they're like, "You guys are the worst, yeah. and we can't help but have Sentinels." We at don't the hate you because you're mutants. We hate you because you're terrible yeah. and you ruin everything. Yeah, everything always blows up, dies, and you guys break things when you're you go out in the world. So we have to be here. So that's all going on. You've got two new students who are just enrolled in the school. One is a dude is basically three dudes in one. He's yep. got three faces, Triple three header, sets of arms. We'll Triple header. Love it. Yeah. And then um, a squid face lady. Uh, so they're here. They're getting acclimated to the school. Lots of great stuff with Brew as he you know, introduces him around. Yeah, and so you, I see Brew just back. Oh yeah, he and uh, Brew. Love it. Uh, Kid Gladiator back. So it's, it follows right after that. Uh, the annual. 
Um, just lots of fun moments, and then you get um, a nice twist at the end. And you also get a preview of the annual. If you're not sold on reading the annual, you will be after reading the preview at the back of this issue. It's so good. Right on. You made it. We made it to the end. What that a, was a great lot. bunch of books. Uh, my choice is Infinity number six. Yeah. I have a lot of, it's, it's, it's almost just like a respect choice. You gotta be like, like just admiring the crap so that good. went into it. That so fight, good. the, just the, uh, yeah. so big. That's where I was gonna go. But, as we were recapping, I realized, <clears throat> and yeah, there's some personal bias involved here. My affection for Nova number 10, uh, I'm gonna make that my tour of the week. Which is fine, because you did Infinity, so I can do it for variety's sake. Yeah, sure. Because got Infinity covered. So, yeah, I love Nova number 10, and it just encapsulates everything I love about both Novas. So, it was nice to see that. Nice. A lot of good stuff. Let's not forget Avengers Assemble, Deadpool Annual, FF, Hawkeye. Wolverine the X-Men Annual. Wolverine the X-Men Annual, Uncanny Event. Everything was good. Everything was good this week. New Avengers, everything was good. Read it all. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Collections on sale this week include Astonishing X-Men Volume 12, uh, Avengers Absolute Vision Volume 1 which collects a bunch of old Vision stories yeah I saw that on Brewfork's desk yeah. and I was like that looks amazing uh, Captain America Volume 2 Castaway in Dimension Z Book 2 mm. Gambit Volume 3 King of Thieves <laughs> good Marvel Masterworks Ant-Man Giant Man Volume 1 Shadow Walk hardcover not what? sure what oh, that is no idea okay. we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to look into that <laughs> uh, Spider-Man Big Time The Complete Collection Volume Ooh, 2 nice. Spider-Man Mark of the Tarantula and Spider-Man Wolverine by Zeb Wells and Joe Maggerera alright new on the app this week everything we went over so all the great comics we talked about you can read on the Marvel Comics app and you can also read Iron Man Fatal Frontier Infinite Comic number 8 uh, also on sale on the app we've got Amazing Spider-Man, the original volume, number 41 through 50, some great comics, and the first annual, number three, and Tales of Suspense, issues 66 through 82. It's got to be some Iron Man stuff, some Captain mm. America stuff, maybe a little Nick Fury, who knows. Yeah. Uh, and collections on sale this week on the app are Captain America, volume two, Castaway and Dimension Z, book two, Captain Britain and MI-13, volume two, Hell Comes to Birmingham, or Birmington, it says Birmington here, but I could have sworn it was Birmingham. That's awesome, that would put that up. Yeah, that's... Really good. Doc and X-23, Collision, very underrated. We loved both of those books. Uh, Dark Avengers, The End is the Beginning. Ultimate Comics X-Men by Nick Spencer, Volume 2. Ultimate Fantastic Four, Volume 7, God War. And Venom, Volume 2, Run. Nice. On Marvel Unlimited, a bunch of books this week. We've got Avenging Spider-Man, number 21. Captain America, number 7, from the current book. Uh, Captain Universe, The Hero Who Could Be You, number 1. Dark Avengers, number 190. Gambit number 13 from the current or the recent run, Indestructible Hulk number 8 from the current run, Iron Man number 258.5, Morbius the Living Vampire number 5 from the recent run, New Avengers number 6 from the current run, Savage Wolverine number 5, Uncanny Avengers number 8 AU, Uncanny X-Force number 5 from the current run, Uncanny X-Men number 6 from the current run, Venom number 35, Wolverine and the X-Men number 30. Uh, X-Men number one from the current run, which is great. If you yeah. haven't read that, that's a super Wonderful fun issue. Book. Uh, X-Men Legacy number 11 from the current run. Young Avengers number five from the current run. That's it. And that's it. A lot of stuff on Unlimited this week. No Stromy this week. No, he is traveling sorry, for Thanksgiving, so you get us, yeah. more of us. We gave him a week off. I gave him a week off. I didn't, yeah, I yeah. was going to say. You would have said don't, no. Don't let me I know into you would have said no. <laughs> I did not give him a week off. Uh, but... On his side, we've got um, S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff. There was a new episode this week. I believe there is no new episode for the 
the first week of December, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, some some cool stuff. Hope you guys saw the the well, which is the Thor specific episode. That was a lot of fun. Uh, actually, really cool. It introduced a new Asgardian and some fun mythology and some some big stuff. It was great. Um, then Marvel's Iron Man and Hulk Heroes United comes out on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD December third. That is uh, an all-new direct-to-DVD, direct-to-home video animated uh, story with Iron Man and Hulk teaming up, taking on a whole bunch of villains. Um, it's computer-generated art, for what I remember. Um, it should be pretty neat, but it's really it's a very kid-centric. So if you have younglings who you know you want to get more into uh, Iron Man and Hulk in the Marvel universe. Perfect place to start. Share your universe with them with this. Uh, it'll be out on December 3rd. Also, if you buy it on the DVD and Blu-ray, you can see My Ugly Mug talk to Joe Casada <laughs> in a special feature. The two of us uh, sat and talked about a whole bunch of Marvel things, and the film crew recorded it, and it was a lot of fun. And that is almost a year ago that I did yeah. that, which is crazy. You Maybe looked, even more than a year ago. You were so young. I know. It was, it was like a whole other yeah. time. Your mug ain't ugly. Yeah, whatever. Uh, sound like, so, like the thing. <laughs> yeah, Petunia. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's the stuff available this week. Uh, ben, what do we got for news? Okay, over in comics news, let's talk all new Marvel now. So, when we told you guys that Daredevil by Mark Wade and Chris Somney was ending, you were all super sad. Uh, everyone was upset. There were pitchforks and torches at the Marvel headquarters. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Daredevil's coming back. It's part of all-new Marvel now with a new number one issue. And the creative team's going to be Mark Wade and Chris Somney. Uh, yeah, they're just taking a little month-long break, and they're coming right back. Daredevil is moving out west. Uh, we have a lot more information on Marvel.com and to come. Another big all-new Marvel Now announcement that broke at the end of last week is that Moon Knight is getting another new series uh, by Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey, along with Jordi Belair on colors. The art, if you've seen it, is out of this world. Uh, I've been getting compliments on it, even though I didn't do anything uh, on Twitter and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, looks to be great. We have a chat with both Declan and Warren, as well as with Steve Wacker up on the site right now. And just as Moon Knight, or uh, just as Daredevil is heading from East Coast to West Coast, Moon Knight's coming back to New York, so it's a little exchange program. Um, and finally, Thor, God of Thunder, is not getting a relaunch, but we'll get a Point Now issue, and we spoke to Jason Aaron, as well as editor Lauren Sankovich, about what is coming up in Thor, which I know you're going to talk more about in a moment. Yep, so um, for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Declassified, the crew came to Marvel headquarters in New York to film a whole bunch of things, uh, a lot of silly stuff. And uh, some really cool stuff, including them announcing this Thor all-new Marvel Now story, the direction for it, and that was debuted and announced on the uh, the Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Declassified show, which is great, because that gets shown all over the world. I mean, that, that well, I shouldn't say all over the world, because it's only in the U.S. You can only watch it in the U.S. So yeah, that's the opposite. Yes. Uh, but, but... Uh, it gets commercials during Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it airs, so super cool. We're hopeful that a lot more fans will come in learn, and want to see more about the Thor comics, uh, and the story just sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, Thor versus Roxxon yep. and um, his lady. Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of cool stuff. Definitely check out both the Declassified episode and the interview with Jason and Lauren. Yep. Uh, big casting news confirmed this week. Uh, 
Avengers Age of Ultron. It wasn't a bad wah wah. I was like, wah wah. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It was a terrible sound effect choice. I'm sorry. Move uh, on. Uh, Age of, Avengers Age of Ultron casting news. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen will play Scarlet Witch, and Aaron Taylor Johnson will play Quicksilver in Marvel's uh, Avengers Age of Ultron coming out May 1st, 2015. Um, I know people had. There have been rumors about that, and no, other it's for real. You know, we until we confirm something, it ain't happening. Believe yeah. me, because the contracts went. You know, we don't confirm until the contracts are signed. So the contracts were just signed recently, and um, so we were able to announce it. Very, very exciting stuff as the pieces come together yeah. for Age of Ultron. And let's just clear it up here because the question has been asked not only uh, out there in social media but also in a meeting we had yesterday. Elizabeth Olsen is not one of the Olsen twins. She's their sister. She's their younger sister. Wait, and she's oh, she's cousin. part of that clan, though. She is. She's what? their younger. She's their younger sister. Say what? She's their younger sister. She's a very celebrated uh, independent actress uh, who's breaking into the mainstream now and is excellent. But uh, she is not one of the twins. But she is related to them. Yeah. Yeah. She's like I think she's only a couple years younger than them. Yeah. I'm also excited because Olsen and Taylor Johnson will be yeah, in a movie together in Godzilla next year. Right. I love Godzilla yeah. more than most things, yeah. so and so I'm very nice excited. They'll have some nice chemistry, yeah, which is going to be weird because I think they're a couple in Godzilla <laughs> and they are they brother and sister are. in, uh, in yeah, Avengers. It's so super weird. It's well, actually, Scarlet Witch, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver. That might be perfect. Oh, <laughs> hello. Yep. Uh, we also have. Uh, hopefully, this will be up on the site. We just have to wait for clearance. Uh, we got some photos of Jamie Alexander doing a surprise visit to a hospital nice. for some kids. And and it was really sweet, um, and she's just amazing. She's yeah. she's really terrific. Uh, also, the Marvel official holiday gift guide for 2013 is now live on the site. It's marvel.com slash gift guide. Um, check that out. We picked a bunch of things that we, we liked from Marvel and some stuff not from Marvel. I put Doctor Who stuff on there, Star Wars stuff on there. Some WWE stuff WWE, on there. WWE, yeah. Um, all sorts of different directions. Yeah, so we just picked some stuff we think is cool that make a good gift for a kid in your life, for the lady in your life, for the man in your life, for the parent in your life, for the you friends? Know, child friend in your life? No, no, no friend no friends. gifts. No friend, friend gifts. gifts. Sorry. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fun stuff. So that's marvel.com. Coworker in your life? <laughs> marvel.com slash gift guide. All right, time for This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club. Yes. All right, for this week, I selected as part of our ongoing 50th anniversary of the Avengers celebration, Avengers Under Siege, written by Roger Stern, uh, art by John Buscema, two of my favorite all-time creators. Um, Roger Stern was just a powerhouse in the 80s. He's still going today. He's written stuff for us recently. He wrote a couple Captain America limited series. He's done some Spider-Man issues. Dude just knows how to tell a good, solid story. Had a great run on Avengers. And John Buscema, who uh, passed away a little while ago, but just, uh, he was the guy who did How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. So to me, I will always associate that with just like how a Marvel comic is supposed to look. Uh, This was a mid-80s comic. Um, At this point, the Avengers roster consisted of the Wasp as the leader, Captain America, Black Knight, Hercules, Captain Marvel, Monica Rambeau, and um, Namor was kind of hanging around the fringe. So it was a little bit of a, it was a mix. It was, you know, I had some experienced folks like Wasp and Cap, but no Iron Man, no Thor. Black Knight and Hercules were actually, you know, fairly tenured members. And then Captain Marvel was a rookie, and Namor was a wild card. Namor's not really in this story, so we don't need to talk too much about him. He's dealing with his own stuff. Yeah, he's in the first issue, and then he kind of goes off to do his thing. 
So the main crux of Under Siege is that Baron Zemo, not the original, but the son of Baron Zemo, has gathered the largest group of Masters of Evil ever. It's always been that the reason the Avengers win is because, you know, they are the heroes that come together, they assemble, they battle the fights that no single hero can withstand. So Zemo's plan, and it's a good plan, is I'm going to get an even bigger group. A uh, huge Masters of Evil lineup, who I just, I'm trying to remember, like, everyone was in it. Just, there's like 13 people in that there's, group. There's a ton. I mean, it's, it's, it's all the people who would go on to become the original Thunderbolts. So you got Moonstone, you got the Fixer, you got Atlas, who was Goliath then, Screaming, Screaming Mimi. Mimi. But then you also have Greg Argoyle, you got Mr. Hyde. I think you have the entire Wrecking Crew. Yeah. Uh, you have Absorbing Man. Yellow Jacket. Yellow Jacket. Titania. Titania. <laughs> uh, Blackout. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. They should have... I mean, they do some nasty things and that's the thing is not only that zemo plans it really yeah. well he goes okay like he doesn't just charge in zemo this is zemo's big moment it's, it's his first appearance as baron zemo he had appeared previously um as a character called the phoenix actually um in his first appearance he was just i'm you know i'm the son of the original baron zemo um but this is his first introduction, and it's a great introduction. It's why he's such an enduring villain, because he is not a villain who just lets his emotion get the best of him, for the most part, <laughs> and just charges in, you know, I got this army, we're going to go and conquer. He is like, he really is evil Captain America. He's the consummate planner. Yeah. He's the consummate tactician. He knows that Hercules is the biggest threat. He's got to get him out of the way. Um, so he comes up with a way to do that before they even have to go in. Uh, he comes up with a way to neutralize Captain Marvel. Um, and then he just, they take over the mansion and basically use that as their beachhead. Beat up Jarvis. It's horrible. Uh, to this day, one of the darkest moments in Avengers history. Well, between Jarvis and Herc, oh, it's yeah. like, oof. That's it, yeah, Herc gets badly beaten. Um, he's in a coma. Like, he's in a coma for most of the book. Hercules in a coma. He actually essentially dies at one point. Yeah. And then, like, the, the ticker... His heart beats once every ten minutes. Yeah, you've also got a great like. The, the reason the reason I love this story is to me it's the quintessential Avengers story. The Avengers are not just the A team that comes together; they're a team that you never have them down. Uh, we recently recorded a Avengers 50th anniversary podcast, which will be going up soon. And Lauren Sankovich, who was on with us, kind of outlined a lot of a lot of what I was thinking when I think about this story, and that's that the Avengers are not just the team that you know can come in and play cavalry. Um, they're the team that when you have them at their worst, more Avengers come in. Yeah. They bring it together because they have, you know, other people come and help out here. And, and it's a who's who of like kind of just weird characters. I mean, you got Thor, who when he comes in, it's a great moment. Yeah. You're like, Thor's here. Thank God. <laughs> uh, second Ant-Man, Scott Lang's involved. Your favorite, Dr. Druid. Dr. Dr. Now, was this like Dr. Druid had shown up before? Because no. they say, No. Well, not in the Avengers, I don't think. But he, he's he's like, I owe them a debt. I owe them yeah. a debt. I, I don't know what that's about. I don't know what I, his I deal really is, but like, he comes in and he's like, I'm going to help out. Yeah. And I don't do so much. Dr. Druid, you know, shows, shows up huge. But then you also got, like, Paladins in there. Yeah. The Shroud plays a role. Yeah, I love that. You get some great, like, old school stuff. But, yeah, it's all about the Avengers needing to pull together when the odds are very against them. It's also really the crucible of the wasp as the leader of the avengers wasp is my favorite avengers leader of all time um and that's because for a similar reason is because this was the avengers darkest hour for a long time some people could now argue it was disassembled but for me this is the avengers darkest hour wasp gets them through it she is not confident the whole time she is very self-doubting she needs help 
but she sticks with it. She doesn't quit, and she knows how to motivate everyone. She gets a hard time from Hercules, mm. really hard time from Hercules, yeah. and a lot of people don't believe in her, but she sticks with it. So that's why I love this Avengers story. Yeah, just a great story. It's a great story. Huge moments for the villains, for the heroes, for you know, like the underdog of it mm-hmm. all. Because the the Avengers here are the underdog. Yes, they and they rarely are. Yeah, um, it was good, and you know, you could feel the weight, feel the stakes. Um, and it's it's a heavy story. And then there's the the big emotional stuff at the end with yes. Captain America. That was uh, it's, it's yeah. Good. Cap kind of you know, this is this is his villain. Baron Zemo yeah. is his villain. Uh, he killed Baron Zemo's dad. Although as he puts here, he didn't kill him. He just was there when it happened. It happened. But that's what Zemo blames him for. And Cap feels like you know all this happening to Jarvis, to Hercules, to all these guys. This is his fault. And they have a very emotional showdown at the end. And it's. This is an emotional story. Now, when did you first read this? Because I know you said the Cern Buscema stuff was some of the earliest comics you read, but I don't know if, I don't know if you're reading in any sort of chronological order. No, I would assume. no, not in any order. No. Uh, I probably didn't read this until Wizard, because no. when we were at Wizard, this was the book that, this was the story that a lot of the, the older staff members, yes, you know, was, this like was Pat and, and Brian and them, they put this on a pedestal. Anytime you would see a big list mm-hmm. uh, about awesome stories yeah. or, like, various things, like, gotta this clue, would be Under on Siege, there. Yeah. Under Siege had to be on there. So I was yeah. like, okay, I'll read this. And so, you know, I, I came to it pretty fresh, yeah. only knowing that it was supposed to be good. Yeah. And, yeah, so I, I only read it, like, ten years ago. I think I read just before Wizard. I definitely was the same as you, where I would pick up random because, you know, this was the age where I started reading comics, so I picked up random issues of this run. Yeah. I don't think any of them are under siege issues, but, you know, of the Stern, Buscema, Dr. Druid years. Um, but, yeah, I think I read this when I was getting really into Avengers, when I was getting into the music uh, Perez Avengers, and I was like, okay, what are the great Avengers stories? So, yeah, I picked up this trade and just devoured it, and I, I reread it all the time, even even without having done this. I reread it occasionally just because it's such a good story. Yeah, that's terrific. All right. So let's turn it over to you guys. This is very cool because I think this was a story that uh, some of you had read and had good memories of, but some of you may be reading this for the first time because it is an older story. Yeah. Um, So let's see what we got. We got Chris Vaughn, Immortal Thor 99, saying, Oh, hell yes, Under Siege, baby. So (laughs) assuming he has seen it before. Yeah. Uh, Twin fan, Christopher Short, noting that I love the Twin URC editor interviews before reader comments. Keep it up. Uh, We didn't do one this time just because this is... It didn't, story. you know. Yeah, it didn't we, make sense. Yeah, we didn't. It's not like we had one of the editors on yeah. staff who worked on the books. It, it, when we have it, when it, or when there's a yeah. real good emotional connection, sure. Yeah, true. If someone edited it, or if you know, like with Jordan White when he came into Inferno, that's his favorite story. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's definitely something we like doing. So we'll do it in the past. I know Brevort said he edited this collection, <laughs> so he volunteered to come in again. But we we gotta, we got to give Tom a break. I think he's out on today. Oh yeah, he is out. It's true. He's on vacation. But. uh Anyways, we, we work him too hard anyways on this yeah. podcast. All right, Ref Gemlin, catching up with the Swim URC portion of This Week in Marvel 107 before work, although I didn't have time to read the Awesome Avengers choice. Please keep up Swim URC, a great idea, brilliant ease of Marvel Unlimited, and gets fans looking at historical moments, which is what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Penelope Cat has a bunch. He says, just finished reading Avengers Under Siege, I think. Last <laughs> issue in the part of the app is 276, but is that really the end? Uh, no, 277 should be the end. That's yeah. the, the final part. I know I included that. So um, yeah, if, if we ran into it, sometimes the unlimited stuff gets glitchy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 277, make sure you read that. Uh, it's all in un- unlimited. Right. I know we, one thing we did note is there is one issue not missing yes. from the run, but basically there's a there's 
There's a couple issues. Then there's a Namor standalone story, and then there's more issues. So if you any of you guys got confused by the fact that there was a number missing, I forget which number it is. It's like 272. Yeah, like it was left out. Yeah, that's what it's right here, 272. Yeah. 272 is not there just because it's, it's a standalone story. Yeah. We didn't screw up on that one. Yes. Um, he says, in its way, Under Siege feels similar to Disassembled, both very downbeat with the Avengers really taking it on the chin. Yes and no. Um, I agree. I think Under Siege in some ways was the forerunner disassembled because, like I said, it was the darkest hour of the Avengers. Um, and, yeah, we've picked two downbeat Avengers stories. But what I like about Under Siege, not to discount disassembled, but I guess one of the things Tom talked about last week with disassembled that he regrets is that the Avengers don't get the win. Like, someone else has to come in and do it out. The difference with Under Siege is the Avengers take it on the chin, but they come back. Like, there is a clear moment. There's that great cover where, like, Thor's leading them out. And they they come back and they do win like they do triumph over it. So yeah. there are some similarities, but there's some there's some big differences as well. Yes, uh, he says. While this uh, while this comes from a classic period of the book, it doesn't feel like a typical story. The team is mostly split up and beaten. We even get a whole issue focusing on the villains. Yeah, well, there's so many of them. Yeah. Uh, and he said, you know, here he says, I had wondered why the selection skipped 272, but it doesn't feel like anything is missing. Yeah, it was just, it was a, it was a conscious yeah, You missed choice. Namor going to Atlantis. Yeah. Feel free to read it, though. <laughs> um, things have been kind of blah lately in the Penelope Cat household, and I think that melancholy has affected my enjoyment this week. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's, no good. That's, Hope that that's turns around. Uh, Under Siege is a good story, but I can't seem to find a lot of specifics to comment on. Just too, too close to my own mood right now. Sorry about that. Yeah. Hopefully you bounce back. Definitely found Hercules' attitudes towards Wasp off-putting, but I suspect that's the point. He was more fun in the late minis. Yeah, he's... Yeah, you know, he's... like... I think this he was just he was dealing with being on this team and mm-hmm. and getting bossed around by someone he thought was lesser. Yeah. And, and you know, he's being a jerk. The thing is though, uh after this story, when they would interact in the future, this is basically the story where Hercules gains respect from Watts. And it was referenced. It ref- it's good referenced later in other Avengers stories how I think other people try to disrespect Wasp later and Hercules steps in and says, I used to be like you. This woman knows what she's doing. Yeah. You shut up and listen. Step off. Like, I don't even remember specifically in the Busick run that happens at least once where he's just like, you you respect the wasp. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Penelope Cat says, I also smile at Ant-Man's comments about Spielberg not having a chance at an Oscar. Hades. <laughs> also, if Scott Lang doesn't want people to know he's Ant-Man, maybe he shouldn't say his own name out loud. Yeah, he's new at it. Yeah, he's, he's, he's ditzy. Uh, I also enjoy the scene in 276 where the Wasp giving a report to the police as if she had just been mugged. Yeah, that's a good scene. <laughs> uh, he's going to see if 278 is in the app and see if it gives more of a sense of closure. It should be in the app. I, yeah. I think the entire Avengers run is in the app at this point. A lot of it. Uh, Definitely we, the Stern run. Yeah, we, I think that was a big project for us to, to fill all those gaps. Um, as it happens, I think the run is probably not too long after I had stopped reading the book due to college, so this is all new. Cool. That's good. So I read two, Avengers 277, and it turns out the story is a lot more satisfying after reading the final chapter. See? Terrific. Yeah. Good. Uh, the Buscema Palmer art is fantastic as well. Clean, clear storytelling without being simple or dull. Yeah. it's. I mean, that was, like Ben was saying, that is a, that is a Marvel yeah. like hallmark. Uh, and if if the entirety of Stern's Avengers isn't in MCU by the time Avengers Two comes out, there should be criminal charges. That being Marvel Comics Unlimited, not Marvel Cinematic right, right. Universe. Because yeah. for a second I read it as that, I was like, "Wow, they're gonna he wants us to adapt all of Roger Stern's <laughs> Avengers into the Marvel Cinematic Universe? That's gonna take some work." But yeah, we I, we think it might all be there. So. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. All right, going over to John Gibson, Jekyll Geek Twenty Four. Uh, 
20RC just finished 274. Avengers are down to two because of clever ambushes and a dumb Herc. Man, was Herc dumb and arrogant. <laughs> but that's part of his charm, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that he he's going to drink and be yeah, stupid and a jerk. He's kind of a dummy. Um, just finished Under Siege. Wants to give Cap a hug and a kitten. This. And then we get a nice picture of a kitten dresses Uncle Sam. Yeah. I, would, I think Cap would appreciate it. I think he would. Yeah. Finishing up with Kyle Charles, Johnny Temples. Another easy Tuesday at work. Time to do my Twin URC homework. Namor and Hercules costumes make me laugh as they are basically just walking around in underwear. Oh, the 80s. Better believe it. Namor, I think Namor would still be doing that today. Yeah. Namor doesn't care. Namor doesn't He's care. like, look at my body. Yeah. Namor gives it, give an F. Moonstone's helmet reminds me of something straight out of a Japanese live-action TV show from the 90s. Yeah, her helmet's pretty great. Yeah, it was a that, crazy costume. Yeah, we didn't talk about that brutal Moonstone moment. Oh, she, yeah. she, she's flying oh, yeah. chased by Wasp and thinks Wasp, Wasp is going to like kill her or like yeah. get her. And she flies 100 miles an hour into a just a rock wall yep. and it's breaks horrible. her neck. She like She breaks her neck. It's not the... Oh, it's it's like one of those broken necks that can be repaired. Yeah, sure. But man, that was a rough one. Yeah, we didn't even get into the whole. Uh, it's kind of a precursor. I mean, a lot of this is a precursor to the Thunderbolts yeah. because this is kind of the basis. This Masters of Evil become the Thunderbolts. You know, twenty years later, yeah. when Kurt Busiek writes them. But uh, you see right here, kind of the power struggle between Moonstone and Baron Zemo, and that would inform Moonstone's character for years to come. She's always trying to, you know, kind of take control of whatever situation she's in. Totes. Hercules being sexist to the wasp. <laughs> I guess he forgot which century he was in. Silly Greek demigod. Yeah. And then he says, finishing up, Black Knight is kind of like a lost puppy. Aww. Yeah, I felt bad for Black Knight in this because he has this huge crush on the wasp. And he has no idea how to express it. because, And it was weird for me because I was used to 90s Black, Black Knight. Who, you know, had, had the stubble and had the long hair and was juggling Crystal and Cersei and was in a love triangle all the time. He had no problem problem with the ladies here. He's all awkward. He doesn't know how to deal with it. And he, like, walks in on her and Paladin, like, kind of having a moment. So, you know, poor Black Knight. Yeah. But he gets, things get worse for him throughout. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. Thank you guys for your comments on Avengers Under Siege. Uh, for those of you who didn't get to read it yet, um... Even though we'll be taking it off the Twim URC section of Marvel Unlimited, go back and give this a read. I think it is a uh, book, especially for newer readers, who really gives you a chance to appreciate some of the history of Avengers. Yes. Uh, so it's time to pick our next Twim URC book, and we're going to go with Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Ben and I were discussing it this morning, what mm. we should choose, because we've done cl- like classic here with uh, Under Siege. We've done current-ish with Disassembled, so... Um, ben said, let's go for a nice happy medium, which yep. is the retelling of the first year or so of Avengers, but uh, by Joe Casey and Scott Collins, yeah. um, which is, yeah, I had forgotten about that series. Really good. Um, and I think it'll be great for informing you guys about the characters in a new light. Yes. Um, so it should be a lot of fun. We'll put that up by the time you're listening to this. And uh, we'll talk about it in two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's time for us to go try to get to Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, if you guys celebrate Thanksgiving, then happy Thanksgiving. And if it's just a Thursday to you, have a enjoy good Thursday. Your Thursday. Yeah. Have a good yeah. Thursday. And for some of our listeners out there, uh, happy Hanukkah as well. Yes, of course. Of yeah. course. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our favorite, who's your favorite Jewish superhero? Oh man, I think Kitty Pride. Yeah, I, I mean Ben Grimm is up there. The thing's great, but I I've always had a soft spot for Kitty Pride. Just one of my favorite characters, and not the kind of weird soft spot that like Jordan White has, where he had a crush on her when he was a kid. Because when I was a kid, she was already 
older, but I just think she's a great character. Yeah, she's a terrific. But guy. yeah, Jordan Wade has a creepy crush on Kitty Pride. Awesome, great way to end this podcast. That's why I wanted to do it. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>